What does it take to get beyond the damage of words? I'm Katrina Collier. Join me each week as I explore what it takes to step into a happier future. My guests are sharing their stories of when they realized that they needed help and what it took to take that first step so that you leave inspired and maybe even start on your own path to self-love, care, compassion, and of course, happiness. So without further ado, let's hear their stories. Lynn Hanford Day, I am so excited to speak to you today on Beyond the Damage of Words, particularly as I know what you're doing after this, which is super exciting. We'll get to that a bit later. So I, I just launched straight in. This whole podcast is to inspire people to take a step and get into healing. So what caused yours? What, where, how did you go from like something's wrong to I'm starting, I'm on my way? Hmm. What happened? What happened? How long <laughs> have you been? journey? Yeah, 30 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> They've all run over 30 minutes, but we're aiming at 30 minutes. <laughs> the- yeah, there were. I've had. Um, I say I'd say three significant life events, but it wasn't mm. until the final one that I started yeah. to make sense of what had led to all of this. Uh, so, in 1997, I ended my marriage, mm-hmm. uh, which caused me far more distress later than it did mm. at the time. Um, that caught up with me. In 2004, I had ovarian cancer, so I had a big health crisis and considering my own mortality. And then in 2013, I had a breakdown and uh, a lot of uh, burnout. We talk about burnout now. Mm. Looking back on all of that, the thread that connects those three things that may seem unconnected Mm. when you just list them, Um, goes right back to my childhood and the dreadful, dreadful relationship I had with my mother. Mm. Uh, She died in 2017. And prior to that, we had been estranged for eight years. So I kind of exited her out of my life, divorced my mother, whatever kind of language you want to use. Mm. But at the time, I just thought... I I call it stepping out of the... Yeah, I call it stepping out of the destruction path. Yeah. <laughs> I leave them off doing their stuff and, yes, yeah. I hear so you that on that. Was, um, the beginning of 2009. So in that run-up to my kind of falling apart in 2013, mm. I effectively orphaned myself from my mother. Um, mm. I hadn't seen her, didn't want to. I was very, very angry. And I also became very aware of a lot of grief around ending my marriage. So 15 years later, I was yeah. suffering a lot about the impact of that choice, um, particularly on my son. So I was carrying a lot of mother guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, funny, there is no time frame. So it's, yeah. Yeah, but there is no time frame on all of this. It, it, it's quite interesting how people will say, oh, I wish I'd started earlier or later. It happens when it happens. and if it took you 15 years to realize you were grieving, it took you, it's like it, it's funny how we feel like, oh, well, it should have happened in the first 12 months. But actually there's no time frame. No, 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 there isn't. At least you got there. (laughs) At least I got there. And and my, you know, it was my body decided, you know, it's funny, like, you know, I had a major Mm. health crisis in 2004, Mm. uh, which was. The universe going, hello. Five years after getting divorced. 
And then you, know, you can look at the links between body, mind, emotion, illness that mm. gets stored at a cellular level and so on. Um, follow people like Louise Hay and the link between yes. various illnesses or ailments, physical pain and so on, and what it might mean emotionally. Because yeah. um, it's disease, that, isn't it? Psychotherapist as well. So I did yeah. three years on, on body psychotherapy. So I did a lot of work around the body. Yeah. Well, it's, they call it dis-ease, don't they? Like not disease, like it's so often we internalise it. And I do, and I feel like almost you were given, it was like the universe gave you a nudge with that health crisis and then it gave you another one and then it went, okay, you haven't listened, here you go. Burn yeah, out. absolutely. So it did, it, it decided for me. And, you know, and a lot of people ask about work-related stress and there's a fair amount of stuff kind of just out there um yeah. as burnout's getting more attention now and it's often associated with um work-related stress and overwork but mm. for me I'd say the cause of me falling apart was deeply mm. deeply emotional and very much about loss and a yeah. lot of things just came together and work was my savior I put myself mm. into my job I became my job which wasn't healthy had nothing nice. else to live for, that kind of thing. Yes. So it sustained me for a long time until physically my body, as you said, just said, right, you're going to stop now. Enough. We're going to, yeah. you, you have a choice here, die or fix it. Like that's, yeah, that's basically what you got to, isn't it? It's interesting you say that because we talk a lot about numbing, don't we? Like avoidance. And actually, I wonder if we use work as another, almost like alcohol, almost like drugs as a numbing tool. Because totally. if I can at least succeed in that. Totally. And also, I do wonder, can we really separate, and I'm no expert, believe me, in any of this, can we really separate the burnout at work? I think so much of it happens from a lack of boundaries and a lack of self-worth and a because you wouldn't let yourself get to that point if you had those, and then that often comes from something that's happened, either a traumatic childhood or... Yes, I, com- I completely yeah. agree. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd, I've always described myself as a work enthusiast, so I've always put myself you know commit to something um seek to overachieve you know overachiever perfectionist Mm. tendencies wildly ambitious not for myself in terms of career but in terms of what I can deliver you know so Mm. the emphasis on deliver inside an organization so I played into all of that Mm. Uh, and was very successful in terms of you want to measure success by career. Uh, yes. And at the same time, I really thank what happened in 2013 because mm. I was literally stopped in my tracks and I went on a very, very deep inner journey. Uh, and it was far more scary than having you know, possibly a terminal illness. With yes. Casper, you're either going to die yeah. or you aren't. <laughs> yes. I'm very lucky. I was yeah. given another chance and I'm still here. Um, but and now you're helping like, others. Losing my mind was like, yeah. Because <laughs> I felt like I was losing my mind. So, what did, so you felt like you were losing your mind, but you still took a step. So, what, what did yeah. you do? What was the first thing you went, I, I need help this way? Yeah. Or did you go into your art then? Like, what, what did you do first? No, it, um, for a while, because I had dreadful insomnia. So um, 
initially I was caught up with denial. I wasn't ill. I kept saying to my doctor, I've got to get back to work. I've got the budget to do. This was January 2013. I'm the HR director. I have the budget to do. I want to have the team, you know. So I was still caught up with that. And I'd say I was in denial for about three months, right through till Easter time. Uh, um, I had bought a painting from an artist who happened to live a few miles away and I'd collected it from her before Christmas and she'd asked if she could put me on her email list because she occasionally ran workshops so I said fine and I received an email from the universe or from Fee Fee said I'm gonna run uh, six weeks of meditative art (sighs) workshops in her home and I had no idea what that was. But at the time, the kind of Headspace app was really growing in popularity. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought to myself, I need to learn to meditate. So this meditative art, oh, it's meditation. Yeah. <laughs> My counsellor had said, you're not well enough to meditate. Uh, and she was right, actually, which sounds very intuitive. Oh. She said, oh. you need to My, learn it, That's funny. Yes. Oh, I didn't take that well at all. I thought that was dreadful advice. How interesting. But she was a very she was wise right. woman. She said, because oh. meditation is actually quite an active process, really. Or no, it's about managing thoughts mm. and so on and seeking to calm. Yeah, you're um, right. But it requires focus to do it that I didn't have. And she said, you need to learn to relax. And she gave, She said, I'll prove it to you. And she gave me a meditation CD, which I switched off after 20 minutes. I just I couldn't cope with I'm it. I'm impressed you got to 20 minutes, though. <laughs> so I remember it was about I was being a mountain or something, and I thought, I'm not a mountain at all. <laughs> so, yes, your ego was up there, wasn't it, going pick, 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 pick. <laughs> I'm a puddle on the floor, um, so, and I can't sleep. So, um off I trot to Actually, this. You're right. You're right about it being active. I hadn't thought about it that way, but it truly is, isn't it? Because it took me ages to be able to meditate. And you're right, because yeah. it is that process of actively getting in a critic ego, whatever you like to call it, to shush <laughs> so you yeah. can actually be still and in the yeah. moment. Yeah, true. So instead you went and did this amazing course. I did the it was in Fee's kitchen. It was lovely. There were only four of us, one of whom was a mum. Oh, beautiful. So I was fed, you know, herbal tea and homemade lemon drizzle cake. I remember that. Perfect. <laughs> and, um, I found myself drawing circles, constantly drawing circles. Uh, so I bought a colouring book. <laughs> a colouring book of mandalas yeah. and kaleidoscopes because I'd always enjoyed those patterns as a child and I love spirograph. Yeah. So I would spend a couple of hours in the afternoon colouring in because it was the one thing that stopped the infernal chatter in my head. And it became the meditation. Yeah. So that's but it was I, also in a uh, child play. It was yeah. releasing the creativity, wasn't it? It was, it was all you colour. didn't know that's what you were doing. No, it was just something I think it was about using my hands, something about mm. colour in what was a very black and white, bleak kind of period of time. I loved the colour from the pencils. Um, And the main thing was it stopped the noise in my head. So it was a relief. And in that sense, it was healing. Yeah. 
And so and it's interesting because the 10 years later, you're still very much on the circles. I mean, oh, anyone yeah. listening to the podcast can't see that there's one of your pieces of artwork <laughs> right behind you. And in fact, this one up on my wall, which has also got circles yeah. in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a just about to see it. Yeah, I know. I love it. I absolutely love it. And obviously, I've got another piece. And I'm going to get one of your um, birth charts at some point. I'm going to do that. Oh. Uh, so it's on the list. Um, I'm running out of walls, though. So, so balancing <laughs> I want this, but I have very few walls left. So what else did you do? You mentioned that you did another course. And I know we've talked about the one that I can never remember the name of because it's complicated. Did any of those help? Because I can imagine that it's great that you went into the meditative state, but how did it help with the self-esteem and the the inner voice and the Mm. releasing the trauma? This was in combination with a lot of, therapy and I'd had a lot of therapy over the preceding years Uh, I trained as a therapist as well so you know I spent five years training so I've had years of therapy um didn't see the breakdown coming Mm -hmm. I know it's a bit ironic isn't it (laughs) cobbler's children so but we don't see our life lessons this is the hardest thing. So we can often look at someone else and go, oh, my gosh, look what they're about to do. But you can't see your own until you wake up and go, oh, there it is. Yeah. So I was seeing this lovely lady who was a mindfulness teacher who'd advised me yeah. not to meditate just yet um, yeah. and revisited a lot of stuff, which was to do with my mum. Uh, and at this point, 2013, I was still estranged from her. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to have any contact with her. Um, And I was making sense, well, not so much making sense, but coming to a point of acceptance Mm -hmm. about the reality of the experience I'd had. Uh, She's a very narcissistic mother, um, very cruel. I know your book's about words. Yeah, words. Yeah, well, my mum's a narcissist as well. So, yes, words. They're the ones that sting. Yeah, and I was incredibly fond of my dad. She was very jealous of that. Yes, Um, oh, my gosh, same. So she interfered (laughs) with that relationship from when I was probably about 12 uh, and spent a lot of time confiding in me inappropriately because really Mm. you're still a child, but she was trying to drive Mm. the wedge between us by pointing out all his faults. Uh, and she had volcanic anger. So mm. I lived in fear of her um, yeah. because she would just vomit words um, at my dad and at me, and he would escape. Mm. Um, at the time, we lived in Cornwall, and we lived above a shop, and there was a yeah. cellar where his workshop was. So he would go there. He was a watchmaker, so he would go and mm. do watch things. And I was left with her. So I would escape to my bedroom um, and I couldn't make sense of it. And I spent most of my life not making sense of why I thought she hated me. And it's like, oh, why? This is all so familiar. Ugh. Why <laughs> am I yeah. so despicable? Yeah. And clearly as a child and later as an adult, that all gets internalised and becomes a massive impact on self-worth, which I yeah. sought to overcome, looking back on it all, by being a high-performing individual. 
Mm, perfectionism all yeah. of those things that we see in the workforce that lead to burnout yeah, yeah. so I got my self-worth through work mm. yeah and really it was more a mask wasn't it because it yes. wasn't really who you are yeah, yeah. oh my gosh this is so familiar <laughs> it's yeah. so funny I've known you for so long but we don't have these kind of we no. have some kind of conversations but we're so often talking about your art aren't we or yeah, something yeah. like that so um and you did the beautiful picture yeah. for Lance who I actually talk about in the book because he was um I mean Labrador but he helped me so much on my journey to healing and actually finding that self-love you know tapping into the inner child and all that yeah. sort of stuff you've done it through your art I did it through him just yes. that learning to play absolutely oh and obviously the work with Michelle as well yeah so what you know, do you that's important how, because how, of the unconditional love that they bring yeah so yeah, how I, did you journey like was it was there any particular technique or any method or any anything that just really got you from that lacking self-worth to actually well, you know what I'm fine I'm happy with who I am I am who I am yeah and I because um, the, the switch is so important isn't it it is. I, I've, I've done a lot of different things over the years. Uh, so it was, I think it was 1999, I trained in Reiki. Mm, <laughs> so wow, that's noticed. early. It was early. Um, yeah. And then I trained in spiritual healing, which is very similar to Reiki. Brilliant. That was in yeah. 2004. Uh, and by then I was also doing the psychotherapy training and a lot of it mm. was around the body. Um, yeah. And as you know, neuroscience has shown more and more over the years since then that trauma is held in the body. So yes. I did a lot of that and I was fascinated with energy healing mm. and the chakras and chakra yeah. healing. So yeah, I'm going back over 20 years when I got caught up with all of that. Yeah. And I would seek those kinds of practitioners mm. Um, then it became more about talking therapy. Mm. And there was one particular therapist who I saw for over four years who mm. hugely important in my own healing. Yeah. And funnily enough, she was also a trained arts therapist. Um, ah. So I memories of her using some of those techniques with me. Yeah. Also a Buddhist. And she yes. had trained in a particular form of um, therapy that was based on mindfulness. So without realizing it, I was stepping towards something with yeah. her as a practitioner. Um, in I late feel like it's, it's once you start, the, like it's almost synchronicity, isn't it? About, yeah. You know, things you talk about, the email arrived in your inbox, the art and so on. Yeah. You, know, you are incredibly talented. I love your art. So it's that, well, we'll just keep placing the right people in your path. And it's yeah. up to us to notice and go, ah, you know, and things yeah. too. Yeah. You know, I had, um, I, I talk about one of my, the past life regressions I had and meeting this person in this life was because I just got a random email in my inbox and I actually went, I'm going to go to that. And I don't normally. And it was mm -hmm. like, I followed that mm -hmm. synchronicity and yes. yeah, so powerful. Yeah. Amazing. And then following um, 2013, I got I returned to something to yeah. do with the work of Carl Jung. Um, yes. And I got very, very uh, interested in archetypes and mm -hmm. the kind of archetypes alive in me. I've always yeah. been fascinated with tarot and oracle decks. I have a massive collection of them. 
because <laughs> I love the art. Hello. Um, so I started playing with those. Um, as I started to recover, I um, became um, entranced, enchanted by the moon, mm. la luna. Yes. And I started completing um, Lunar Diaries. Uh, I, in 2014, I had huge anxiety mm. and uh, panic attacks. It was a year of panic mm. attacks. And what I found by just completing these little lunar charts is my anxiety would peak before a full moon. The moment the full moon had passed, I was fine. And I was so relieved to discover yeah. that a lot of my anxiety was vibrational and energetic in response to the wider cosmos, you know. So it was, yeah. um, I found and that. Ha- so how's that helping? Yeah. So we, we're now nine years on and we've just had a massive supermoon and we're coming up for August date. I have no idea when I'm putting these podcasts out, so, but, you know, we're in August currently. But So how did you feel that moon? Did you? I do. It varies. How was it for you? It varies. Um, and I, I still track the dates of the full moon and the new moon. I always put yeah. them in my diary. Um, mm. And so sometimes I forget that we're heading toward, it's particularly the full moon, and I, mm. I will start to get, quite agitated and then think, okay look where we're heading Those that's the one that shines a light on everything isn't it and it's like what yeah. do you want to release like we're showing it yeah. to you in that full moon like, i've got that right haven't i and then the dark moon is for planting the seeds of what you want yeah. to manifest new moon. yes yes yeah, yeah. so Elizabeth Brew, who i talk about has a few uh, meditations around the moon that are absolutely beautiful yes. which yeah. when i'm being really good i do <laughs> too busy writing <laughs> and two then books I, to get out of my body <laughs> well then I went down the mindfulness routes um yeah 2016 2017 something like that um and I did uh mindfulness-based stress release which is the eight-week course and then uh, a couple of years later I did um mindfulness-based cognitive um, therapy they didn't really help me but in the MBCT training, there was um, some um, inclusion of mindful base, mindfulness, self-compassion. Mm. And just those two words, self-compassion, compassion. really spoke to me. Um, and I gradually woke up to the need to be kind to myself. You, know, you yeah. read these words about gratitude and be kind to yourself, or I did, over and over um, and Didn't never really thought that they applied to me. And then I, I did the um, self-compassion training twice because yeah. it was so powerful. Yeah. And it, it is just that. Oh, I mean, it's such a release, isn't it? You know, you do something wrong and instead of beating yourself up, you're like curious about it. Like, oh, what did I do that created that? And what could I do different? And it's just a different, it's like talking to you like you wish you'd been spoken to as a child, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That gentle, kind curiosity. Yes. And just, it's okay. You know, we'll yeah. get through. Yeah, yeah, that I like you, very hard to get to that place. But, oh, thank goodness I did. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. ability to just be, and I actually, really grossly tell a vomit story, but I was sick from urethromycin when I was a child and my mother screamed at me because I didn't make it to the toilet. 
And then every time I would be six after that, I would be like hysterically sobbing, like ridiculously upset. And that's often a sign, isn't it, that there's been a trauma. Mm-hmm. And it was actually, I was sitting on the back of a boat in Galapagos of all places, feeling seasick going, oh no, I'm going to be the one, I'm going to be sick. And then got stupidly upset. And then I was looking around me going, but nobody else is upset. Everyone's like being really kind and they've you know wrapped you up and they're taking care of you. So what's going on? And that's when I had to really pull that out and really get curious and kind with myself and then let it go. Mm-hmm. I had pwned, pwned it away. I actually said that correctly. That's really rare. Yes. Um, <laughs> but it's that, it, it's getting to that point, isn't it? It's such a journey, particularly from childhood trauma to get to that self-compassion. So how yes. about now? We're in 2023. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how is it now? Are you still kind and compassionate with yourself or what makes you remember to do that or... Yeah. (laughs) I'm not letting anyone off the hook here. (laughs) That is an ongoing piece of work. (laughs) Yep, because we're humans. (laughs) And I've been on the planet a long time. Um, So, you know, I literally, decades, I'm 62, so I have had decades of um particular beliefs about myself that Mm. are not true Um, and I can remember doing some personal development work uh, seven or eight years ago Um, Mm. I'll just give them a shout out there's an organization called Celebration of Being and they don't be put off by it being called a goddess workshop Um, but they run a workshop for women um, yeah and it's very much based on uh, systemic constellations work. And following that weekend, I felt such a shift in me that Mm. a voice in my head had gone, and that very bullying voice was the voice of my mother. And she'd gone. So that, I think, was 2015. Uh, And so... As each year has passed by uh, in the last 10 years, there have been shifts within me. And now in 2023, I'm the most content I've ever been in my life. Yeah. Do you feel light? There's um, a lightness, isn't there? There's that lightness that, (sighs) like, (laughs) there's an ease about life, which probably should have always been there. But, again, I think it's like the the big – the self-compassion has to go in the length of time, like the forgiving yourself that you repeated almost mm-hmm. like a broken record, the, the, the words over and over. Yes. You know, hence, this is like the podcast is beyond, so it's people who have done the work and got beyond the damage, mm-hmm. but the book is about the initial damage and what I've done because it's yeah. just we replay. Yeah, we do. In a critic, just it's like I could I could hear my mum here and then she, yes. then I couldn't hear her anymore. It went. And I don't actually know when. I love that you had a real moment of knowing that mine at some point went. And it was just so good. Life is just great after that, you know. It was very noticeable. It's like, gosh, you know, this voice has gone. I don't know who it was. It was actually the facilitator said it was the mother. Um, And then it was like, is she going to come back? <laughs> no, is, is this temporary? <laughs> no, 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 gone. No. It really, it does. Actually, no, it doesn't. I can't. Yeah, mine must be. I don't even know how long. She certainly hasn't come back. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. There's still be moments where I'll say stupid things to myself, but they're not like a, the, there's not the energy behind the words. No. Is, is it the vibration in your case, especially that, because you feel yeah. that so much. Yeah. And Amazing. Kind of and uh, yeah, it was bullying really and self-bullying. Um, but, you know, carrying her stuff really, you know, I, I look back carrying at her. her stuff. Oh my yeah, gosh. She had her own trauma. Um, and I feel much more compassion for her. Uh, and so we reconciled three months before she died. My sister sent me a message to say that mum was um, very unwell and she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was in the middle of a work contract, which I ended and I'm extraordinarily grateful that I was able to spend that time with her before she died. Mm. And I can remember seeing her for the first time in you know eight years and mm. thinking, my God, you're so small. Yeah. Although physically I'm taller than her, she was a kind of mm. five foot two petite woman and I'm mm. five foot seven and I'm not petite, but she was always this huge personality huge energy yeah that filled a room and I was terrified of her so mm. returning into her house to see her again was very very scary and yes. I had no idea what reception I was going to get uh, and so uh, I just thought my god you're so small why was yeah. I so frightened of you yeah <laughs> but Maybe. I know what you mean. <laughs> the narcissist's energy. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you had that. I haven't felt like I need or want that. I did see her after my father passed for 20 whole minutes, mm-hmm. um, which were very weird 20 minutes. Um, but I mm-hmm. haven't. I'm glad you've had that closure. I, I think where I find it the most upsetting is when other people sort of put their judgments on us who've chosen. We like We've chosen to be out of the destruction path. And there's a lot of people out there who be like, but then your mum. Yeah, but you wouldn't say the same if it was my husband or a sibling mm-hmm. or, you know, someone else, a colleague abusing me the same way. So why is it acceptable? So yes. I'm glad you got to that point where you yeah. were able. And I think that compassion is so important, getting yeah. to that point where you feel compassion for your abuser. You don't, yeah. it, it, because then you can forgive them and let them go, let it go and you're no longer carrying their energy, your energy, it's just gone. Yes. I'm so proud of you. Hard. I know where you've come from. <laughs> it's like, oh. But it, yeah. it's funny because we're like, there's also this thing where in some ways it'd be great to have a quick process and in some ways it's just it doesn't matter if it takes two decades. In my case, it's taken 12 years. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like I'll always be doing some kind of work because I'm sure there'll always be something bubbling up where I'm like, oh, got triggered over something. What's that about? Let's heal that. Let that go. And, you know, yeah, this is just yeah. yeah, amazing. Um, what would you say to anybody who's like hesitating where they realize that they need help? Mm. What would you say before they go to burnout route? Mm. Well, I'd say listen to yourself, really, because at some level we know uh, mm. I was consumed with busyness. You know, yeah. I was 
busy, busy, busy. Numbing with busyness. Numbs and makes it very hard to hear the you know, the inner voice, to hear the heart speaking or to hear the soul yeah. speaking. Which is the quiet one saying you need help, yeah. isn't it? Not this loud inner critic. Yes. That little. Yeah. And uh, to kind of follow the threads as well. You know, this thing about Fee and her meditative art, <laughs> mm-hmm. so much came from that. Yeah. Um, you know, in a, a very moment. But, yes, a whole business, the whole other and life is, come from isn't it. Isn't that where you're heading shortly? Off to see a gallery space. Because so, I moved to Eastbourne four years ago with the intention of an Beautiful. art studio by the sea. Then we had a pandemic. So I got the sea. Oh. Yeah. I don't have an art studio I still work off a table in my kitchen it's um it's a fabulous it's table, it table. <laughs> produces amazing stuff it's, uh, it does <laughs> and uh, yeah I had a look on um, right move last week and I thought oh that's oh. an interesting little space so I'm going to go and have oh, a look I'm so excited I'm so coming for the opening I'm just inviting <laughs> myself Oh god! The trouble is, I'll leave with more art, and I'm running out of walls. (laughs) Got to stop doing that. Every time I'm like, "Oh, that's I'm literally running out of walls." I have to start swapping the art round, you know, (laughs) having having a gallery or something. (laughs) Oh, Lynn, you are absolutely amazing. Um, what's the easiest if people want to get in touch with you? What's what's your preference if they want to? reach out and say gosh one I don't want to know more about your art and your story yeah. or whatever my, my website for my art is uh sacredintuitiveart.com oh, uh, you'll find me there it can reach me through that website and you can also reach me through instagram where my handle is the same it's sacredintuitiveart perfect and obviously mention that you Heard Lynn here. <laughs> I always think it's nice to know rather than a random person messages you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for your uh, just, yeah, brutal honesty and rawness. I'm just so incredibly humbled. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thanks for asking, Katrina. Oh, of course. Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Damage of Words. How brave, how vulnerable. All to inspire listeners like you to take a step or inspire others to take a step. Imagine what healing we could create if we normalize this conversation. So please pass this on and of course subscribe so we can do just that. Until next time, thank you.